This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Hello, this is Arthur Idala. And according to my friend, Alex Garrett, today is a very important day. Because today is... National Bald is Beautiful Day. That's right. Bald is beautiful, baby. That's it. Woo-hoo! Alex, is that accurate? Is today National Bald is Beautiful Day? That's what uh, my researchers here at 970 tell me, and they told me to tell you that, yes, National Bald is Beautiful Day, and I know you love that shiny bald head talking about it every day, so I figured, <laughs> so- why not? Here's the deal, Alex. Obviously, we uh, we have a very special guest on. We have the head of the Detectives Endowment Association, Paul DiGiacomo, on, um, who I saw yesterday at the PAL lunch. Um, and um, there's a, a ton of stuff to talk about. But let me just touch on the bald thing for one second, because, you know, everyone's got something, right? Um some of us have like psoriasis. Other people have much more serious issues, medical issues. Missing but, legs, you know. Yeah, right. But thank you, Alex. I'm just walking around. I mean, Alex, no one, everyone who knows me and knows Alex knows I'm not making fun of him. I couldn't believe you walking up and down the steps of the ship last night, the Atlantis on the wonderful cruise with your crutches, holding like a full glass of whatever you were drinking, Diet Coke or whatever it was. And I actually said when I saw you walking towards the staircase, I was talking to Mike Gallagher. I said, I want to see this guy go down these steps. The ship is moving. It's rocking back and forth. I said, I want to see him go down with, with the, with the, holding his glass. And you actually walked towards people. And I think, I was thinking you were going to hand them the glass and be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go downstairs. Can you bring this? No, 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 no. Alex Garrett, whoo, down a flight of steps on a ship, the wonderful Atlantis with Captain Fred. As the ship is rocking back and forth in the very beginning before, you know, we set sail. God bless you, sir, because that, that was pretty amazing. Well, as long as you have your sea legs and I'm my sea leg back, we're all good to go tonight, right? That was more than having sea legs, my friend. But, um, Alex, so here's what happens real quick. I won't spend more than two minutes on this. But uh, I, it, for my 19th into my 20th birthday, so my 20th birthday, December the 1st, 1987, I was in a little town in Italy called Urbino, and I had by any any uh, objective standard a full head of hair. And it was a big deal for me turning 20. I remember telling my roommate, who's still one of my closest friends, uh, Joe Ficano, I said, I looked in the mirror. And, and well, I remember saying, Joe, this is a big birthday. I'm turning 20. And he was like 22. He goes, why is it such a big birthday? I go, well, on the day before my birthday, I go, if I get killed today, the headline or the, the newspaper will be like, teen killed by stray bullet if i get killed tomorrow it's man killed by stray bullet and he laughed he told me i was out of my mind which i am and but i remember looking in the mirror i think the morning of the day of my actual 20th birthday and i could see my hairline was like just starting to recede just a little bit but again that was because i'm studying it by any objective standard i had a full head of hair and joe was like you're out of your mind arthur (laughs) you're not losing your hair i was like no 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 I think I'm losing my hair. 
fast forward through the end of college, I was okay. But my senior year, you could see things were letting go. And I remember my mom at the time, I think she bought me Rogaine. I think it like just came out and it was like a big deal. And then, um, and then I got into law school and that's when they were like, the, the hairs were jumping off my head, like rats off a sinking ship. And anyone who knows my dad, who saw him last night on the Atlantis cruise, uh, he, he knows they know he's a he's very affectionate. He's a big hugger and kisser. And uh, one night when I was in law school in Queens, I lived in Queens, but I came home to have Sunday dinner. My grandparents were there. And uh, as I'm leaving, he like instead of kissing me, he like shook my hand and he got like a little serious, but very uncomfortable. And uh, like at this point, like all I kind of had like this power patch of hair, but like my hair was really receding. And then I had like the St. Anthony patch going on. It was like the awkward stage. It was like being 13, 14 years old when you're a kid, that awkward stage. Well, this was like the awkward stage. Like you kind of have hair, but you, you, but but you really don't have hair. It's there's plenty of people who I could call out who are in that position right now, but I'll, I'll leave them alone. And my dad goes, because uh, God bless my parents. They spoiled me with love, affection, and opportunity. They did not spoil me with material items. So I didn't get a car until I was 21. I got a $400. I loved it, but it was rusted out through and through. Uh, I, I never had like any real spending money in my pocket, except just enough to get by. When my mom got to my college, my law school apartment, they hadn't been there for a little while. Um, uh my mother, my mother walked in and she looked around. She goes, oh, my God. Now, I was living in a basement apartment not far from my law school. I know this is going further than two minutes. Don't be mad at me, but it's kind of a good story. And then we got like so much heavy stuff to talk about after this. And my, she goes, oh, my God, where's the phone? I go, Mom, I don't have a phone. I go, I just, when the guys upstairs are at home, I'm in the basement. I could tap into their phone line and I use this phone. She said, well, do it now. So I call him. She calls my father and she's like, Lou, I'm just telling you right now, I'm using the credit card. She's like, your son is basically living in squalor. I had like a little mattress on the floor. Uh, but anyway, so she went on and took care of me and actually bought me a mattress and bought me a table to eat on and a desk to do homework on. And so as I'm leaving the house on this Sunday night with this power patch of hair that's receding and disappearing quickly, my father awkwardly says, uh, 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 listen, Art, uh, your mom and I were talking and, uh, you know, if you need some money to, uh, you know, do something with that situation up there, uh, you know, uh, you know we'll, we'll pay for it. And I'm like, what situation up where? What do you in the attic? What do you mean up there? You, no, no, you know the hair, the hair thing, the hair thing. Because <laughs> my dad was doing well in the hair department, and uh, you know, I, I, Kevin McCullough just texted me. He goes, "You know, the gene is on the mother's side of the family," but I, um, yeah, I, my recollection is my grandfather died. It's, he was seventy-one years old, and I know in that coffin he had a he had a head of hair. Now it wasn't like a huge head of hair, but he had hair on his head. Now my father's father he went bald at the same time I did, like twenty-nine, thirty. So. Kevin, I know that's what they say, but in the Idala Piazza family, that's not how it played out. So my dad basically tells me, like, if at that, this time, now we're talking about 1991, I think it was around there, 1990, 1991, there was like hair club for men, and you could get like a weave or plugs or whatever. And I'm like, Dad, you're talking about like me or a toupee? I'm like, you're talking about me getting some quarter of a piece? I don't know, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. So now it's like in my head, like I'm a pretty secure guy. I, I was actually, I mean, I was awkward losing the hair, but eh, I was going to deal with it. So I, um, I, I get home that night, and I think by that time I had a phone, and I call my best friend Josh, 
who's very handsome, George Clooney looking like dude. And I go, dude, some crazy stuff happened tonight. He goes, what? What's, what's so crazy? I go, my parents offered to pay for like my hair to get redone. And like, I don't know, a weave, a plug, some piece. <laughs> he starts laughing. What are you laughing at? He goes, Idala, with your mouth and your personality, there's nobody's looking at your head and looking at your hair. So just let it go. Let it go gracefully, which I did. I kept on. I kept it on. Uh, um, the bar exam really wiped me out. Then I, I had the little power patch a little bit left in the DA's office. And then and when I ran for city council, uh, when I was basically almost 30, so it was 10 years it took to really lose the hair. And then my childhood best friend, Chris Glenn, finally came to me and goes, okay, Dollar. <laughs> It's time. It's, it's over. The fight, you lost the war. The, the war is over. But I was so lucky because um, at that time or a little bit before that, it's when Michael Jordan was the premier athlete in the world and he shaved his head. If you look at the very, very beginning, obviously in high, in college, you know, he had some hair and, and I don't remember him having a lot of hair, but but then he shaved his head and all of a sudden bald became cool. And I really dodged that bullet. And I spoke to my uncle George Olson, who was bald. He's like, oh, the, 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 it's it's the easiest thing in the world. I had no thinking at all today about talking about being bald and going bald until Alex told me about this. I actually have a, a, a very serious topic I need to talk about that I was in court with today, but it would not be appropriate now. Um, I, I'm gonna what we're gonna do is this: we're going to. Um, Talk to the head of the DEA, Paul DiGiacomo, and then I'm going to tell you about my day in court on a homicide case and some heart-wrenching stuff that I, uh, I saw. And there's so many other topics in the news. Um, last night, uh, for those of you who are part of the uh, AM970 family and who listen to us on a regular basis, there was a wonderful uh, cruise around New York City. And uh, one thing that never gets old for me, never, ever, ever gets old for me, is having a ship pull right up very, very close, maybe the, the closer than a football field away from the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, I was talking, I was there with some of my colleagues, and we would really, the discussion was the way we felt. You know, my mom is standing there. She's got holy water because it's, it is like a religious experience, no matter what religion you're in. Obviously, we're Roman Catholic, so she's got the holy water. She's got this whole joke between her and Al Gattulo, and she's going to throw holy water on him. It's going to burn him. And, but um, whether kids of the next generation are going to appreciate that, are they going to feel that same way that it's almost a religious experience seeing the Statue of Liberty? And, you know, that's on us. And I will congratulate my father and mother and my sister and brother-in-law because I would say my nephew, Nicholas, my godson, who's 19 years old, I think he has that appreciation for what his great-great-grandparents went through to come to this country and what that feeling must have been like uh, after being on that horrible ship, I'm sure. They went out on the, the top of the ship. They were on the bottom of the ship coming over from uh, parts of Sicily. And uh, on on all sides of his family, I believe, maybe his mother's got a little novel of Don, uh, his grandmother, Julie. But, um, you know, what what that felt like to them to see the Statue of Liberty and then to go to, uh, you know, Ellis Island. You know, I hope some it's on us. It's those of us who are 40, 50, 60. We're the ones who have to impart on those young people that it's not a given and, you know, with these migrants going on, that the topic is as is more relevant than I think it has been. And what a special place this country is that people are literally dying, dying 
to come here. My friend Chuck Callahan from Plaza College, you know, he was right there, was standing next to me. And, and, you know, it really is a special occasion being with such wonderful people in front of the Statue of Liberty on the Atlantis. Thanks to Jerry Crowley and company. It was a wonderful night. We're going to come back with the head of the Detectives Endowment Association. Uh, my friend, uh, you know, a lot of people are my friend for a long time, but I worked with his sister in the district attorney's office in 1993. So I think I'm entitled to say that Paul has been my friend for a long time. So don't go away. We're going to come back with head of the Detectives Endowment Association, Paul Giacomo. I want to introduce you to a unique healthcare provider that may make your life easier called InfuCare RX. Under the watchful eye of my good friend, Devin Patel, founder and CEO, InfuCare RX is a leading nationwide specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. If you're currently in need of infusion services, whether IV or sub-Q infusions, InfuCare RX can offer a positive lifestyle change by providing these services in the comfort of your home. Rather than from a clinic or hospital, patients of InfuCare RX have access to their full clinical team via phone and digital access 24-7, 365. Speak with your doctor and see if you're a candidate for the safe and convenient at-home infusion services of InfuCare RX. To review the services, please go to InfuCareRx.com. That's I-N-F-U-C-A-R-E-R-X.com. InfuCare RX, improving quality of life one patient at a time. Hi, Kevin McCullough. The International Travel Show is coming October 26th through the 28th at the Javits Center, New York City, titled Your Travel Hub. Open to the public on Saturday to explore vacation options from around the globe. Great destinations from Brazil to unique places in the state of New York, New England, Europe, even South America. Join the fun and participate in some of the most compelling travel sessions from the travel industry's best-known personalities, from Darlene Newman to Pauline Fromer. Take a minute and check in with Travel and Leisure Go to consider travel deals and discounts at a wide range of destinations, hotels, airlines, and car rentals. For more information and tickets, go to www.nyinternationaltravelshow.com. That's www.nyinternationaltravelshow.com. That's www.nyinternationaltravelshow.com. I'm super excited about the conversation I just had with Alex Kinsella over at Route 22 Toyota. He was catching me up on the landscape of the automotive industry, and I got to tell you, he really seems to have it figured out. Alex and his entire team over at Route 22 Toyota in Hillside, New Jersey, makes the entire car shopping experience easy. He let me know that while inventory levels are far from perfect, they finally got a nice selection of new cars over at Route 22 Toyota, including RAV4 and Highlanders. Plus, they're holding inventory inventory for local New Jersey residents versus selling them to people calling from out of state. Call Route 22 Toyota at 973-705-8905 and let the team show you one of the area's largest selections of new Toyota vehicles. And be sure to check out their huge selection of pre-owned and Toyota certified used vehicles while you're there. That's 973-705-8905. And remember to tell them that Joe Piscopo sent you. 
So last night on the cruise, I got to hang out with Mike Connors, his son, his wife. They are always just wonderful, especially his wife. Um, and, you know, they are um, <clears throat> lawyers. You know, when I introduce myself to folks sometimes and they ask me what kind of lawyer I am, I say I'm a criminal defense attorney, you know, but I have a law firm that does all kinds of litigation and transactional work. They always say, like, oh, I hope I never need you, which think about it. Think about if you owned a restaurant and you, and, or a candy store or a bagel store and, and, and you tell people what you do, like, oh, I hope I never have to go there. You know, it's not a good feeling. <laughs> but one type of lawyer, maybe if any other lawyer you don't have to go see, but one type of lawyer is an estate planning lawyer that you should all see. Uh, you know, I have, my parents have, my in-laws have, and that's the type of lawyer that Mike Connors is and the lawyers that Connors and Sullivan are. They're the kind of lawyers that do estate planning. So wills, trusts, power of attorneys, healthcare proxies, living wills, basically your overall estate plan. You need to sit down with one of those lawyers and their goal is to protect your rights and your interest. And they know what they've been, they're, they're doing because they've been doing it for over 40 years and they've been helping people in the neighborhood and all neighborhoods across the five boroughs. And you can visit them for a free no obligation consultation with a lawyer. So call Connors and Sullivan today. Any of the five boroughs, they'll figure out how to accommodate you. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Or visit their website at connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connors always says. The biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. You made me so very happy. I'm so glad you so, came in. You know, I don't know what people believe regarding religion or if it's coincidence or the stars, Mother Nature, whatever it is. But the song that Alex played on the way out of the last segment which is called Under the Milky Way by a band called The Church. The band called The Church was, I was so into them, I believe it was the end of college, the beginning of law school. And to be honest, I forgot about them. And two weekends ago, Labor Day weekend, when I was in Long Island, I, you guys know I drive old cars, right? So literally, I don't have an A-track in any of my cars, but I have cassette players and I have uh, CD players in me almost all of my cars. Um, and, uh, only, only my small little Fiat doesn't have a, a, a CD or a cassette player. Um, that's the one you plug in into the iPhone, the Bluetooth, whatever. Um, and I was like, you know what? Let me grab a couple of CDs for one of my car and mix it up. I haven't played any in a while. I haven't mixed it up in a while. Cause I had a ton of CDs and I grabbed the church and I've been playing this CD like crazy. My basically for the last four or five days, and here it is. We start the show and we end the show and I'm hearing Under the Milky Way, which is a song I don't think I've heard in decades uh, or thought of in decades. I went to go see them live in Porchester um, with my boy Glenn. And uh, here it is talking about me losing my hair. And I didn't even know we were playing this song. And then that song goes right in, in hand in hand with that period of time in my life. I don't know. These coincidences, these acts of God, they just blow me away. Um, 
yesterday, uh, uh, I was very lucky to go to the Police Athletic League launch. It was September the 12th to uh, be there. They honored Governor George Pataki. The great John Katsimatidis put on a great show, as he always does, leading the uh, Police Athletic League as their chairman. Bart Schwartz is the president. And um, uh, I was pl- so happy to run into my friend Paul DiGiacomo. And, Paul, what I was telling folks uh, right before I introduced you in the last segment is, you know, there's a lot of hosts out there be like, oh, yeah, my really good friend or my buddy Paul, et cetera, et cetera. I go, well, Paul's, I mean, it's so funny because I was an ADA and your sister Laura, she was, uh, you know, like a, a I, I don't know if you're allowed to say this word anymore. She was like a secretary. But yeah. I was young, very young, you know, like in like terms of how long I'd worked there. And she'd been there for a while. So she had all this juice and authority and everyone knew her. And even though I was a lawyer, I was like scared out of my shoes. And she could be a little tough, as you know, Paul, your sister. But we wound up being very, yeah, very close. And then I, I you know, obviously I, I've known you for decades now. So without further ado, the head of the DEA, my longtime friend, Paul DiGiacomo. How are you, sir? Uh, it's good to see you, Arthur. Thank you for everything. I appreciate all your support. It's always great to see you yesterday. And, you know, I gave you I gave you a little bit of a hard time yesterday when we were chatting because, you know, you you are a leader of this city. I mean, that's and I'm not exaggerating. That is the truth. I mean, the detectives I mean, right now, law enforcement is the primary concern in the city of New York. And uh, I mean, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday or last night. You'll tell me a 74 year old man was pushed onto the subway tracks. Thank God with no trains coming. But on uh, at the Hunter College, 68th Street and Lexington Avenue, folks, that's like the richest area code, zip code, not area code, zip code, maybe in the country. It's the Upper East Side. And to have a, a 74-year-old man pushed on the tracks, I, I rode the subway all day today. I was on the 4, I was on the 5, I was on the R, I was on the N, and I was on the D. That... That makes me nervous. And when Paul and I were talking yesterday, the police athletic league, you know, he said something like, you know, I'm nervous that the city's not going to come back. I said, Paul, you are one of the leaders of this city. And I go, you can't say you can't say that you have to lead the charge for the city to come back. So, Paul, now you have the microphone. Thousands of people are listening to you. Tell me, what's the plan from the perspective of the detectives of this great city and the greatest law enforcement uh, bureau and uh, department in the world? What's the plan, Paul Paul DiGiacomo? Come on. Well, the plan is this. New York City detectives are doing their job and doing it very well. Uh, They're making the arrest. Uh, They got an 80 percent closure rate on homicides and shootings. Uh, The issues are the bail reform laws are a major issue here. And the district attorney's uh, hands are tied uh, to prosecute some of these cases. And they're not prosecuting cases the way they should be. That's the problem. And I guarantee you that individual that pushed that person onto the tracks did not pay their fare. Uh, and that's one way to stop other crimes from happening in the subway system. Well, you know, I have Chief Kemper on every Thursday. Hopefully he'll be joining me tomorrow. I mean, he said mm-hmm. that the arrests regarding not paying the, the turnstile, you know, jumping the turnstile, have gone up exponentially. Is that your understanding? Well, you, you, you're probably right, but it's not what it used to be. I mean, when there was a separate police department, enforcing those laws it was done much much more aggressively uh, they were doing sweeps on a uh, on a quarterly basis and when they arrested these individuals when they did these sweeps you had a lot of people that had firearms a lot of people uh, that were wanted on warrants and it brought crime down you know uh, the message being sent by many of our elected officials is it's okay to commit the crime because there's no consequence 
But Paul, don't you, and part of my ignorance, but don't you have the clout? Because I, I, you've been on the job forever, right? You've seen, you've seen it all. I mean, you it's have... 40 years, that's all. Right, <laughs> 40 years. So you have more experience in your pinky than, you know, AD, uh, District Attorney Melinda Katz does in, in Queens, than Alvin Bragg does in Manhattan. Are you, and again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Paul, I, and I don't know the answer to this question. Don't you have enough juice to call Alvin Bragg and say, I want to, I would like to go to lunch with you and talk this through. And let me give you some of my four. I mean, Alvin Bragg was an assistant United States attorney. That's a very different job than being an ADA. He wasn't a, a, a New York state attorney, assistant attorney general. That, that Again, that's a lo- Those are both law enforcement officials, but they're very, very, very different jobs. It's just like a police officer and FBI agent did different jobs. So uh, can't you sit down with Alvin Bragg or, or Melinda Katz and say, let me impart some of my 40 years of wisdom on you. I, I was here when the city was in a, in a horrible shape in the 80s. And, and, and then I was there during the heydays in the 2000s. And let me tell you how to do it. Can't you do that? Well, I, I did tell them how to do it, but they don't want to listen. Uh, you know, the crime uh, issues that we're having here in New York City could be fixed fairly quickly. Uh, but they don't want to prosecute these crimes. They don't want to put people in jail. They're worried about putting people of color in jail. That's a, that's their answer to everything. And my answer to them is, well, the victims of crimes and the people that are being shot uh, are people of color. And I'd rather put people of color in jail that are committing crimes that people, than people that are innocent of color in morgues. And that's, that's my answer to, to these DAs uh, when they fail to prosecute these crimes. Well, I mean, I I hear you loud and clear, Paul, and, and I, I mean, you really have, you know, you really have seen it all. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you talked about when there was a separate department. You're talking about when there was the the transit police. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, but that was, and then was it Giuliani who merged them or Dinkins? It was Giuliani in 1995, I believe. He merged the three housing police, the uh, transit right. police, and the NYPD. Yeah. And in in. Your experience, was that a, a good move, a bad move, or we were still figuring it out? Well, in my estimation, uh, you know, policing in all three of those different agencies is, is very different. Uh, policing in the subways is totally different than policing in the streets, and, and policing in the housing projects is, is very different. And there were things done back uh, when there were three separate departments that aren't being done now. And that's why you see the increase in crime in the projects. You see the increase in, in crime in the subway systems. And the, uh, the lack of respect for the police is because the message is being sent loud and clear by many of our elected officials, not all, but many of our elected officials, uh, that it's okay to abuse verbally and physically the police here in New York City. Now, I obviously you represent the detectives. And the, do me a favor, just give our, our listener a, a little lesson on the difference between a police officer who we see in uniform and a detective, just so they know what we're talking well, about. Yeah, yeah, well, you start off as a police officer, you go to the academy, uh, you become a police officer. After about five years, uh, you're put into an investigative role, and after 18 months in that investigative role, uh, you're uh, the uh, gold shield of a New York City detective. And uh, like, But that's not automatic, right? In other words, a police officer doesn't have to become a, a detective, correct? No, you could say a police officer your whole career, but, uh, you know, you're chasing the radio and you're running around. You know, New York City detectives, uh, it's a very unique 
rank in the NYPD. Uh, they do everything from uh, climbing bridges, aviation, to investigating homicides, to investigating terrorism all over the world, not just here in, in New York City. So it's a very unique rank, and they do an amazing job. You know, and, and we're doing it with less manpower. Uh, in 2001, when we had the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center, we had uh, about 7,400 detectives. We're down to about 5,400 detectives, and we're doing more counterterrorism duties. And there are more investigative steps when you investigate a crime now than it was then. Uh, so, we, we, you know, we're really busting at the seams. Uh, we need manpower in, in the uh, precinct detective squads <clears throat> and throughout the city in different units. And, uh, you know, cutting the budget and uh, not replacing the detectives that are uh, retiring is only putting the people in New York City in more danger. So it's interesting. I was listening to uh, Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick. And I, I wasn't sure if I misheard him or not, but I believe he said on 9-11 he had 55,000 p- police officers and you mm-hmm. know detectives. Yes. That includes everybody. I, is, and I wasn't right. sure if I heard right. And now I think it's like 35,000. If that Am I in the ballpark with those numbers? That's correct. They really uh, they stripped. Well, nobody wants this job anymore. It's a dying profession uh, because of the abuse that, uh, you know, they have to take. And every time you put your handcuffs on someone, you know, you're putting your life in harm's way. And uh, it's not appreciated just for that person uh, to walk out the door two hours later. Um, you know, we've seen the deaths of Jason Rivera and Mora, uh, Namora and Andrews. So many uh, members of this service uh, have lost their lives in, lives in the recent months. And, um, you know, it, it's, you, you know, it, you lose your life and nobody really cares at the end of the day because these laws are not being changed. And uh, I think our, our city is heading in a bad direction right now. We're, we're talking to Paul DiGiacomo, someone I've known for a very long time who served this city for 40 years. He's the president of the Detectives Endowment Association, which is the union that represents the detectives of the NYPD. Um, you know, Paul, I, I mean, I'm very lucky. I, you know, I, I live in the 6-8 precinct, and, you know, you know, I get the statistics. I mean, luckily, things are pretty good here where I am, but... What is the morale like? And, and I'm not being a wise guy. Like, there are really great places to eat around here. And I know for these guys, and I understand that we saw that that means a lot. But what is the morale like in the guys who are in, in the tougher areas in East New York and Brownsville and parts of the Bronx and the upper part of Manhattan? Well, the average detective right now in these busy commands are carrying uh, anywhere from 350 to 500 cases. Oh my and that's God! A tremendous caseload. Oh my uh, God! I mean, how do you and, even how do you even work? I'm just, well, well that, I mean, some of them are, some of them are misdemeanors, obviously, Paul, right? Yeah. Well, you prioritize the cases, but it's uh, it, you know, it's it's out of control. The precinct detective squads. Uh, sometimes we have more people in the precinct detective squad cell than we have detectives working outside, and uh, you know, it's it's pretty sad, uh, but we need to fix it and we need to get back on track and hire uh, more cops so there could be more detectives, and uh, that should be a, should fix some of these ills, along with overturning some of these ill-advised laws that were passed, uh, I think is very important. And, Paul, we have a new police commissioner, and uh, is mm-hmm. everything going well between the police commissioner and the, the, the DEA? Oh, so far, he's, you know, he's been nothing but a gentleman. You know, uh, his father was a detective in the New York City Transit Police, so he knows detective work, and uh, he comes from... A good stock. So uh, hopefully things will work out in the right direction. And so far, so good. And two quick topics, Paul. In your 40 years, just tell the listeners how 
you, know, you, you said you guys close over 80 percent of, of homicides and major uh, violent mm-hmm. felonies. How is the technology that you've seen from 40 years ago when I, you and I were working? I was at the DA's office in Brooklyn. You know, our evidence was someone said, yeah, yeah, that's the guy who did it. <laughs> there was no no video, no audio, no DNA. I mean, sometimes you got fingerprints once in a blue moon. Tell us how technology has made uh, your job more efficient. Well, there's a lot of different ways. You know, the, uh, the, they're now using drones. They have DNA uh, that we didn't have years ago. Uh, the, uh, you know, crime scene technology and the NYPD is probably uh, the best in the world. We have the best detectives uh, in the crime scene unit, of all over, and probably all over the world. People come from all over to be trained by our crime scene unit. So, uh, you know, they do a very good job. They do an efficient job, uh, and, they, and they really try and bring comfort and closure uh, to these families who, who are vic- uh, victims of crime. And Paul DiGiacomo, the head of the DEA, one last question. Two days ago was 9-11. I know a lot of your guys got sick thereafter. You know, the office of NYPD members that didn't die that day, many got sick thereafter. Are your guys being taken care of financially? Well, you know, I, I just want to bring I'm glad you brought that up. You know, it was a very, uh, very sad day. Uh, I opened my eyes on 9-11, and I didn't want to get out of bed uh, because there isn't a week that goes by that I don't get a phone call that a uh, detective died from 9-11-related cancer or uh, a detective now has cancer and he's suffering greatly. You know, we had over 100, 150 detectives died uh, thus far from 9-11-related cancers. Uh, you got to remember that New York City detectives, it was a crime scene. They were at Ground Zero, they were at the morgue, and they were at the landfill. And they were sifting through this rubble to try and just find one piece of jewelry, one piece of evidence to give to the families, to give them some comfort and closure. Paul Giacomo, the head of the Detective Endowment Association, who, by the way, for open disclosure, offered me dinner tonight. And tonight was <laughs> I had court. I had court in Brooklyn today. Uh, and so I was close enough to home. I said, let me do something like unique and come home and try to see my children before they go to sleep. So, Paul, um, I will. Definitely text you tomorrow when I'm in the office and I have the calendar. And thank you so much because it means so much to New Yorkers to hear from someone like you. you know, that not that they're reading it in the newspaper or listening to it, uh, you know, some third party. It's, you know, it's coming right from the guy who knows what's going on. So, Paul DiGiacomo, the DEA, you're doing a great job. And uh, you know how hard I'm going to fight to make this city is the best that it could possibly be. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate your support greatly. Oh, we got you back 100%. All right, folks, don't go away. We'll be right back on the Idola Power Hour. Radio Night Live, it's Wellness Night, and that means we will talk about the biggest headlines related to your health and trends in the country. Dr. Marty McCary, my special guest, that's tonight at 7 on AM 970, The Answer. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. 
unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is Mike Gallagher. Visit the Holy Land with me, Dennis Prager, and Inspiration Cruises and Tours. No other trip will be like the Stand with Israel Tour. Call 855-565-5519 or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuna & Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. The tires screech, the impact is felt. Boom, you've just been in a car accident. It's a scary situation that none of us want to experience. But if you have been injured in a car accident, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. It's important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. So if you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Bertuna and Kamen at 212-486-0011. That's 212-486-0011. Or visit us on the web at idalalaw.com. Idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Kamen's fighting for justice, fighting for you. All right. Last night I was with uh, the crew from Plaza College. Husband, wife, beautiful daughter. Are you allowed to say that anymore, Alex? Are you allowed to call women beautiful? Or you, that's on this station, you're totally allowed to say that. Come on. Now. Okay, beautiful women, uh, beautiful daughters. The 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 family that runs Plaza College are just they're an exceptional family, and I'm not saying that because they sponsor this. They've really helped so many people. Um, get on track. You know, I talk about this time of year and September, it's new beginnings. But, you know, sometimes people, they don't know where the beginnings are. They don't know where to begin. And I strongly encourage you to go on the Plaza College website to see all of the opportunities that they provide to really kickstart your life. And it's not, they're not opportunities that are like, you know, years and decades in in the making. Um, So, you heard me talk about the court reporting school. I was in court all afternoon on a wild case. Um, of course, there's the court reporter. You always have to be nice to them, schmooze with them. They have all fit. They have all. Everyone's relying on them, like everyone in that courtroom. So you, you, they, they get their butt kissed a lot. OK, that's what I was trying to say. Um, but think about another profession where people are really relying upon you. That's when you're a nurse, because anyone who's been in the hospital knows the doctor comes in at like 630 in the morning. He examines you. She examines you for 
if you're lucky, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, chit-chats with you, and boom, they're gone. They're like, oh, I'll see you at 5 o'clock. Who are you with all day long? Usually it's a nurse, like 90% of the time. Well, Plaza College has this nursing program. They have the Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program, which can be completed in just 16 months. It's a little bit more than a year. And they just graduated 18 new nurses, and that helps our community. God bless them. They also have a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic where people learn how to, I guess, they, they uh, how to be a dentist assistant. I was there. I saw it. It's an unbelievable facility. The students are there, and they work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. So for additional information regarding these programs or any of the other Plaza programs, you should either go on their website or email them at info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. I had a real-life health dilemma that Balance of Nature helped solve. I like most fruits because they're sweet. I hate most vegetables because, well, I think they taste nasty. So when I began my journey to lose weight to get healthier, guess what? I was told less fruit because of the sugar and more veggies. This is the exact opposite of what my taste buds were screaming for. Thank goodness I had Balance of Nature on hand. All the wonderful nutrients found in 31 whole fruits and veggies in an easy capsule. My problem was immediately solved just by ordering Balance of Nature. I don't think I I would have ever successfully lost the weight and stayed healthy if I hadn't been taking Balance of Nature, too. That's why I'm such a huge fan. You will be, too. Get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer when you use the discount code MikeG when you go to balanceofnature.com. You can order by phone. Just pick up the phone and call 800-246-8751, 800-246-8751, or go to balanceofnature.com. Shipping is always free. Use the discount code MikeG for Balance of Nature. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. All right. So this morning here in Bay Ridge, when I played a little bit of hooky, not a lot, just a little bit of hooky, after I dropped Arthur off at school, um, I saw a little one-year-old Ariana in the park. And I really should have come home and jumped in the shower, thrown on my suit, uh, and gone to court. But I was like, you know what, I, you know, these are life's precious moments. And I'm sure everyone listening would agree. If you could steal 10 minutes with your one-year-old at 9 o'clock or whatever it was, that was earlier than that, um, on a Wednesday morning, go for it. And I did. And it was wonderful. And I, it was, I mean, it was beyond wonderful when she saw me, da-da-da-da. But I was fortunate enough to run into Rob Sabah, who happened to be walking his dog. And Rob Sabah and his family have owned and operated Bay Ridge Honda for the last 60 years. That's right, six decades. Amazing. Bay Ridge Honda is also kicking off the fall season by saving you $1,500. I asked um, Rob, I was like, you know, how are things going at Bay Ridge Honda? He's like, spectacular. I mean, really, really good. And their products are, I mean, I'm a Honda guy. It's like Honda, Toyota, Honda, Toyota. I've just always been a Honda guy. Joe Hassan, who I lost on 9-11, he had the Honda Prelude. My grandfather, my father bought a car from Bay Ridge Honda in 1980. He bought bought it from Rob Sabah, who I was with today. My dad bought it from his dad in 1980. And from Bay Ridge Honda, he bought my dad a, my grandfather, a 1980 
cream color Honda Accord, and that car got passed down through the generations until literally the the wheels were. I don't even know if the wheels were falling off. I don't know. Doug just got tired of it. But at Bay Ridge Honda, um, they have 200 new Honda vehicles, over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True Program at their 2022 President's Award-winning dealership. And right now, they'll give you 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models for the whole month of September, plus that $1,500 I spoke about when you turn in your trade or lease and you purchase your car with Bay Ridge Honda. And even if you don't want to buy a car, but you need to get rid of your car, they'll buy your car from you. So visit Bay Ridge Honda at 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, right off the R train, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. This sale ends on September the 30th of 2023. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The answer. Max Hambone hit it. Here we go. Singing on the Atlantis Lamplight. Now, I haven't watched this show in years, and I watched it this weekend for 15 minutes. And now Joe Sibilia winds up out of nowhere singing the theme song. Give me a little volume on that, Alex. There he is, Joe Sibilia. Singing the theme from the love boat. The only thing that was missing was Isaac. We had a great time last night. Anytime I get a chance to spend a little time with Al Gattulo, it's always entertaining. And, and obviously all of the personalities um, on uh, AM 970 from, you know, Mike Gallagher to uh, to Kevin McCullough. But obviously the star of the show was um, was Joe Piscopo and his family. His daughter sang. His son played guitar and sang. Um Mike Gallagher did an unbelievable rendition of um, Nicely Nicely Johnson from Guys and Dolls singing uh, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, which I sang in, I believe it was 1983 at Poly Prep, which I got a standing ovation. Um, one of my favorite songs to to sing on stage. It really was a family love fest. John Katsimatidis was so sweet and so nice to my mom. He texted me this morning. He wants to send her his book. And as I said, we went on the top and we watched uh, on the top of the ship and we sang New York, New York and God bless America. I had uh, many members of my law firm there. So thank everyone from hosting and for hosting it. And, you know, you talk about the Statue of Liberty and, and obviously I think of justice and uh, the American way. Um, being in court this afternoon, I was there on a homicide case, which is a very odd type of case. Basically, it was two the simple facts are two closeted homosexual men. My clients in uh, his late 50s. The deceased was in his early 40s, but he was a very in very good form in his early 40s. Very well built. He was kind of a street guy. My client has never been in trouble in his life. Um, and they had a very quiet um, sexual relationship that then kind of went a little sideways and they were fighting a lot. And at one point, the younger person uh, who's now deceased confronted my client in a very, very aggressive way. And there was a self-defense aspect to it where my client wound up using a weapon, a knife, and caused the death, uh, or was accused of causing the death of the other person. So that was the case that I'm there for and I'm working hard on. <clears throat> I'm in front of a, a judge who I know um, 
I think my dad knew him when he was a prosecutor in the Bronx under the uh, Bronx DA Mario Marola. When I knew him as a defense attorney, and then I remember speaking to him the day that Governor Pataki appointed him to a judgeship. And I have to say, he has really um, grown into being really an excellent judge. And I'm not saying that for any other reason than it's the truth. And that's Judge Vincent Del Judas in Part 7 in Brooklyn. And he handles all the homicides in Brooklyn. Having nothing to do with my case, <clears throat> right before me, was the case, uh, the, the woman now in uh, the homicide unit uh, in that courtroom, you don't usually see female defendants. Of course, they're around, but it's not typical. So this rather large female, when I say large, I mean tall and broad female defendant came out. She had some family behind her with even a little kid. I guess it was a grandchild. And then on the other side of the courtroom behind the prosecutor was, I don't know, 10 females uh, in the audience ranging in all ages from little to like really little, like four or five to older people. And there was a priest. Um, and the judge said, okay, before I sentence you would the, uh, we will take a victim impact statement. And folks, I've been doing this 31 years, 1992. I became a lawyer. This statement, this woman took, then she was in a walker. She needed help. She was the deceased woman. So it was one woman killed another woman. I don't know any of the facts of this case. I'm just watching at this point. She sat down at the table. She needed help to sit at the prosecutor's table. She was rather heavy set. And look, just so you know, I'm not exaggerating. The judge's law secretary thereafter said that was the most heart-wrenching, passionate, heartbreaking, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was exhausted. This woman spoke for probably close to 20 minutes, which is a very long time for a victim impact statement. She had paperwork in front of her and she spoke very, very, very eloquently as she was hysterically crying. It was her only daughter who was killed after she had a fight with this defendant with one stab wound the woman, the defendant has some sort of mental illness that has been verified. And the mom was destroyed, destroyed. Again, I can't tell you how it affected me, but it wasn't just me. Again, I, when I, we were done, like everyone in the courtroom who have court officers who have seen thousands, tens of thousands of cases and the judge, like she was talking about it's our only child who had three children, but she went to culinary school and she was doing so well and she was making money and they were living well. And now she said when she went to the hospital and they told her her daughter had died, she said they had a, she almost had a heart attack. I mean, they had to give her um, medical treatment. And she's like, I was in no financial situ position to take care of these three young kids. And I was living in a, in a assisted living home. She's like, there was nowhere to put them. Uh, and she was going on and on about you know the, the struggles she's had now raising these children, and she was really praising God and praising Jesus and her church and how much her church has stepped up. And I mean, I was, you know, Judge Del Judas was just staring at her, and uh, now it was a pre-negotiated plea. So to be honest, all this is doing for this woman is giving her a sense of closure and a sense of an ability to vent. But she did it so well. And, I mean, 
you know, everyone that I know now is watching this show suits, right? It's about law firms and money and like, this is, this is what drama is. This is what real life is. This is what human, human heartache and, and tragedy is. It was, that's why I can't watch those shows. I really can't. I mean, I watched the first two episodes of it and it's fine. I'm sure it's engaging, but it's, I'd rather watch a show on history or the Roman empire or something. It's cause I live this stuff and these TV shows, I don't know. They sometimes make it, you, you can't relate what I saw today in that courtroom onto television. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe if it was Meryl Streep doing it, but this is how much I was moved. And I, I hesitate to say this cause I don't, I'm not looking to do anything, but that doesn't make, make me look good. But when the case was all over, I mean, she she couldn't leave the table. So then the judge sentences her to the agreed upon sentence, 21 years. Now, 21 years sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, but it's not 21 to life. So it was a manslaughter plea. So I mean, she'll probably, she, and I think the case was three years old. So this mom and the grandmother was pouring her heart out three years after. And, you know, I heard someone on 9-11, one of the people who read the names, they said, you know, that there's the expression, time heals all wounds. Well, for me, losing my brother, that that wound has never been healed. And clearly for this mother, that wound was nowhere close to being healed. As I said, she spoke for 20 minutes. She cried through the whole thing. She would, there was boxes of tissues, but, but she's, but she spoke very, very, very well just through the tears, but you could understand her. And she was really talking also about the hardship on her regarding these grandkids and trying to raise them. So when it was all over, and I didn't know who the prosecutor was. It wasn't the prosecutor on my case. And I, I, all the kids left, and the, the guards got involved because then the, some jackass who was the son, I think, of the defendant said something. Mom, don't forget to call Grandma. He like screamed out and Judge Del Judas yelled at him and the court officers took him out. Because you're not supposed to scream out in court in the courtroom. That as as they were walking out, so all the kids of the deceased family walked out. And then the mom who had spoken was walking out with the prosecutor and the priest, the male priest. And I followed them and I walked outside. And I just said, ma'am, I, I heard your whole story. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I just put something in her hand. And I said, you know, you could feed the kids for dinner tonight from me. And she looked at me and she said, God bless. She didn't even look at what I put in her hand. And she just said, God bless you. God bless you. And I, I just gave her some money to, cause that was, that was a big theme of the, of her speech was obviously the heartache of losing her daughter, but the practical aspect of having these little kids. And she said, I, you know, it's hard to feed them. She, that was a big thing was, you know, and, and without the church, she would not know what, what she would do. So that was, um, and then my case was called and I was like, wow, uh, you know, I was the, I, they were like, we're going to try to get you out of here. This was at 420 this evening and, and the case closes at 430 and I had to get back home to, to, I had to get back home to, um, to set up for the radio. And the reason why I came, I rushed back home was because I wanted to see someone who got a new haircut. Who got a new haircut today? Me. Who's you? Arthur. Arthur who? Adala. And what number are you? The third. <laughs> so this is why I'm home, folks. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a little Carmine throwing things at me, but I have Arthur Idala the third. Arthur, do you like your haircut? Tell me. Yeah. Tell me what sound you made when you when I opened the door, the car door. 
Entonces. Tan, tan, tan. He's being, he's in the car, just coming back from the haircut. I open the door, he's da, da, da. He is a little showman. Arthur, are you glad that daddy's home? You, you think yes. glad he's home? Yeah. What'd you eat for dinner? I don't know. You don't know what you ate? Uh, he doesn't remember. All right, folks, we will be back live and local tomorrow night. That will be a Thursday night. Um, happy September 13th. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC.